What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, there's really only one thing to talk about, right? The wild card matchup between the Packers and the Cowboys coming up this Sunday for the wild card round of the 2023 NFL playoffs. Slightly new format. If you're a regular around here, I normally do a game preview on Fridays, right? Well, it's a playoff, so I decided to mix up the format a little bit, and I would appreciate your help. Let me know in the comments if you're regular around here, if you like this format better, or if you like my more traditional one, just let me know. But before we get to that, and I explain it, we do have an injury report to talk about. Now, it looks a little bit longer than it actually is. For the Dallas Cowboys, I didn't even put it up here. It's simple. Their backup quarterback is questionable. Gee, must be nice. Now, for Green Bay, you see a very long list there of limiteds, fulls, did not participate, a whole bunch, right? But what it really comes down to is three individuals that have questionable game statuses. And that would be Jair Alexander, who Matt LaFleur referred to as, this isn't gamesmanship, this is a true game-time decision for Jair. Now, since we last met, we don't really... Or we found out more details, I should say, about what's going on with Jair. Apparently, at the walkthrough practice earlier this week, he stepped on somebody else and his ankle rolled up. Now he's questionable. Matt Schneidman, reporter for The Athletic, said as well the same day that he saw Jair, not in the locker room, but at least in the building, walking around without a noticeable limp. So maybe we're trending in the right direction. Ultimately, we just don't know. He is a true game-time decision, according to Matt LaFleur. A.J. Dillon listed as doubtful due to that thumb injury and neck stinger. Very disappointing for Dillon that he can't get on the field. And then the last questionable would be Christian Watson. Yeah, I think we all saw that coming because we just don't know what his status is. He did say at his locker earlier this week that he was probably about 70, 80 percent of the way healthy for the Bears game. That's why they opted not to have him go. He certainly would come in handy against Dan Quinn's defense, but we ultimately will see. So there is your Packer injury report. And like I mentioned for the Cowboys, it's very, very short. Their backup quarterback is questionable. That's it. That That's it. So now let's move on to the actual game preview. Let's dive into a whole world of numbers here. And as I mentioned, a slightly different format. What I'm going to do today is a 5 4 3 Two, one, count up five people that are important to the game. Four numbers, three questions, two keys, one prediction, as opposed to just giving you a world of background info about the Dallas Cowboys. But one thing to keep in mind before I really dive in here, you're going to notice a trend as I go through a lot of different numbers. This is perhaps a game of absolutes. There's a lot of different streaks, a lot of different trends, a lot of different info that seems to indicate tendencies. The key to this game may be breaking one of those streaks, breaking one of those tendencies or one of the two teams acting out of character. So let's go no further. Let's start with our players. Here are five players for the Green Bay Packers that are going to matter most in this game. Number one, running back, Aaron Jones. We know he's had a world of success against the Dallas Cowboys. Think back to 2019 when he had a four touchdown game like Aaron Jones has done very, very well against Dallas, especially down there in that stadium when they do head that way. And they need the success to continue. See, the Dallas Cowboys are 12-5 and five this year, and in their five losses this year, they've given up the following rushing yards. Against Miami, 91. All right, that's not bad. Against Buffalo, 266. Against Philly, 109. San Francisco, 170. Arizona, 222. 
In only four of their 12 wins did the Cowboys give up over 100 yards rushing. Ultimately, they stop the run, they generally win. You're able to rush for over 130, you generally win. The Packers' offense has achieved new heights since Aaron Jones has fully gotten healthy and crossed over the century mark in three straight games. In order for the offense to fully function again, they'll have to do the same. Player number two, Rashawn Gary. We know by now that the Packers' defense is successful when the front turns in otherworldly performances. And it's not just this year. Think back to the Frisco playoff game two years ago, etc. The defense is predicated on the front being successful. And the reason why I'm singling out Rashawn Gary is because he's most likely to consistently face Dallas's worst pass rushing offensive lineman. Terrence Steele, their right tackle, he's given up seven sacks and 54 pressures on the season, by far the most on the Dallas line. And if the Packers are going to generate the rush required, you could bet that Rashawn Gary is going to, at the very least, have to be racking up the pressures, even if he's not getting the sacks. And this is very notable. Sean Gary has not registered a sack since week 13. He's still getting pressures with the exception of last week. He only got one against Chicago, but he is still racking up pressures, but he hasn't had the truly drive altering plays as of the last month. They need him to on Sunday, especially matched up against Steele. However, I've got some numbers to give you a little bit of faith. If you're off the Rashawn Gary train, if you don't think he's being as impactful as he should be right now, maybe he just needs the playoffs to come around. Since 2020, Rashawn Gary has 68 postseason pass rushing snaps. In those 68 snaps spread out over three games, Gary has amassed the following. Four sacks, three hits, six hurries. For a grand total of 13 impacts on the quarterback or nearly impacting the quarterback on 20%, of all of his pass rushing snaps. That's really, really good. It's like Micah Parsons level good. And I know right now a lot of Green Bay fans are kind of living in fear of Micah Parsons. In the playoffs, we've got our own. And Rashawn Gary has to play like it for this game. Number three, Rasheed Walker. Protecting Jordan Love is of the utmost importance. Yes, over the last, especially like eight weeks, we've seen Jordan Love be incredibly good against pressure. But his completion percentage does drop by nearly 20% on throws where he's pressured versus throws where he's not. This is where Rasheed Walker comes in. Much has been made about Dallas's want to move Micah Parsons around. Matt LaFleur even mentioned it in his press conference earlier this week, that Dallas moves him around all the time. The problem is when you really look at the numbers utilizing PFF's data tracking, that's not totally true. It's more of a historical reputation than it is his actual usage this year. 721 of Parsons' 755 defensive line snaps this year have come outside of the tackle. If he's off of the defensive line and playing in the box or the slot, that's only 12% of all of his defensive snaps. So in other words, 88% of his total snaps are on the defensive line. 96% of those occur outside the tackle. So maybe the the Cowboys depart from their norm in trying to get Micah Parsons in more favorable positions going against John Runyon Jr., maybe Josh Myers. But it would be a pretty radical departure from how Micah Parsons has been used all year. 
And that's, I don't think it's something to totally live in fear of. And if your immediate thought is like, okay, well, they're going to keep Micah Parsons outside the tackle. They still have Demarcus Lawrence. Even with Lawrence, 91% of his snaps come either on the tackle or outside. He's basically their other edge. If you're looking for the guys that play interior, you're looking at like a Jonathan Hankins, who has been playing very, very well, but not quite the pass rushing prowess of a Micah Parsons. So at least per their tendency, Dallas's greatest pass rushing threat happens to occur against what is arguably, at least over the last six weeks, the greatest strength of the Packers' offensive line. I'm not worried at all about Zach Tom. And as for well as Rasheed Walker has played, that is still the concerning part of this matchup. If he shows up, and if they can contain Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, Jordan Love might just stay upright. Number three, Keyshawn Nixon. A lot of the conversation has been lining up Jair against CD, if Jair is able to play. Keep that in mind, too. In the hope of best-on-best, metal-on-metal, lock him down like Jair against Jefferson. Kind of a retro matchup there. But even if Jair plays, it's probably not going to work out that way, that people are really clamoring for it to happen. And it's because of how the Cowboys utilize Lamb. Dallas loves moving him all over the place, but where he winds up the most is the slot. 57% of C.D. Lamb's snaps occur in the slot. Well, that's Keyshawn Nixon's territory because they're not kicking Nixon outside. So the key to shutting down Lamb is more likely to be Nixon and company than it ever was to be Jair Alexander. The fifth player, the final player that needs to stand out for Green Bay to win this game, that would be wide receiver Dontavian Wicks. Look, this notion could really apply to any wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. But Wicks especially seems to be the best one at getting open. Dallas's defense is a very man coverage heavy unit. It's part of the reason that they're so successful at getting takeaways. Look at Trevon Diggs, historically Deron Bland this year. But I know this graph is very, very tiny if you're looking at the visual. But if you bear with me, if you see on the graph where Justin Jefferson is, Jalen Waddle, you know, a lot of really big name receivers, you're also going to see lumped in right next to them, Dontavian Wicks. And what this graphic is, is it's essentially a graph that shows PFF's gradings for raw separation grade by catch point and yak grade. So you see Wicks up there up amongst the elite, and then a little under that, that, a little bit more towards the center. You just happen to have Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs, all in the most favorable quadrant that you want your receivers. All of Green Bay's are there, and they are going to need to beat Dallas's man coverage. All right, so let's switch to the numbers. Four numbers that you got to know that may determine this matchup. Number one, CeeDee Lamb. And the differences for CeeDee Lamb against man coverage versus zone. According to Graham Barfield, CeeDee averages about two yards per route run versus the cover three defense, which happens to be one of Green Bay's most favorably called defenses. Against man, Lamb averages nearly 4.5 yards per route run. Lamb was quite possibly this year the single best wide receiver against man coverage in the NFL. I'm not sure that trotting out, even if Jair is healthy and locking down man on man, is the best way to go in this game. CD has been too good no matter who he's been against this year. I'm just not sure it's the best 
plan. And I'm not sure Green Bay is health-wise in a position to really challenge that. So let's see what they call. Next up, just to talk about CeeDee Lamb a little bit more and just how good he's been, Mina Kimes pointed out on Twitter, the Packers defense has allowed the worst passer rating and yards per attempt in the NFL versus slants. And then she put cries in CD Lamb. Yeah, that feels right. That feels right. Green Bay does not love to cover the middle of the field. And we're going to talk about just how detrimental that is against Dak Prescott in just a little bit. But as Mina Kimes points out, CD Lamb in the slot running a slant. If Green Bay doesn't show up the middle of the field defense, CD might wind up with 15 catches in this game. And not good. Moving on to the next point. Actually, a more favorable one for Green Bay. As Joey V points out on Twitter as well, something to consider for Green Bay versus Dallas. As pointed out by Stephen Ruiz on the ringer, Dan Quinn's Cowboys defenses have struggled against Shanahan-style offenses. Now, there's a little bit of liberty here because you can argue Lafleur and the Lafleurian offense is much more McVay in its roots, but McVay is kind of rooted out of Shanahan. Whatever, let's just all call him the same tree. Historically, over the last five games that Dan Quinn has gone against that tree style of offense, it hasn't necessarily looked pretty. They're only one and four. Versus San Francisco in 2023, they lost 42 to 10. Versus the Rams, they did pick up a win, 43 20. Versus the Dolphins, it was another loss this year, 22-20. Against the Niners last year, 19-12. Against Green Bay last year, 31-28 in overtime. Dan Quinn and his hyper-aggressive man-style defense does seem to struggle against, let's say, the window dressing that Green Bay has to offer. One of the principles of the Lafleur offense is lining up in the same formation, but then being able to do 12 different things out of that formation. That is specifically where Dan Quinn's units struggle. And that is perhaps one of the greatest signs of hope for Green Bay in this game. Last set of numbers. Let's talk the Cowboys absolutes. Zach Cruz points out on Twitter, the turnovers are always such an obvious part of a winning formula, of course. But the Cowboys in 2023, they take it to an extreme. Okay. They are six and zero when they give the way when they give the ball away zero times. So six and zero with zero turnovers. Six and five when they've got one or more turnovers. However, on the defensive side of the ball, they are seven and zero when they get two or more turnovers. Zero and four when they don't get any turnovers. You want to talk about absolutes? The Cowboys give you the recipe to victory right there. 6 and 0, 6 and 5, 7 and 0, 0 and 4. Now, the Packers happen to be sixth best in the NFL at not giving the ball away, but they're only 23rd in takeaways. So something's got to give here. And which side is Green Bay going to fall on might just determine this game. Now, I do have a couple questions. Three questions that could also alter this matchup. Number one, which defense shows up? Yeah, the Joe Barry defense has been different over the last two weeks. We, we can't deny that. In fact, Joe Barry seems to have this weird evolution in elimination games. This was also pointed out. I do want to show this graphic. Joe Barry's defense facing elimination, six points allowed against San Francisco in 2022, 17 points allowed against Minnesota in 2023, 20 against Detroit in 2023, 17 against Minnesota this year, nine against Chicago this year as well. And the author of the tweet did point out that actually against Minnesota, it was 10 points, did that in a subsequent tweet. But nonetheless, 
Joe Barry seemingly turns into Joey Badass when the Packers are on the brink. So, which defense shows up? Is it going to be what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, a defense that crashes down significantly more? Or is it going to be a defense that decides to play on its heels and let Dak pick him apart? Here's a couple numbers for you in regards to Dak Prescott. Nearly 1,000 yards of Dak Prescott's 4,500 came in the middle of the field within the 10-yard line. Expand that to the center of the field, regardless of field positioning, and it's nearly 2,200 of his 4,500 yards. Nearly half of Dak Prescott's 4,500 yards happened to come in the middle of the field. If Green Bay is going to win this game, they must defend the middle of the field better than how Mina Kimes and others have pointed out they generally do. Next question. Which streak ends? Green Bay has never lost in Dallas since they built Jerry World. They're 5-0, and starting with the Super Bowl 45 years ago. And against Dallas, in total, they're 9-2 since 2008. Dallas is undefeated at home this year. Undefeated perfect. In fact, over their last 16 games at home, they haven't lost 16 games in a row. Over their last eight, specifically this year, get ready for the specifically this year at home in Jerry World, the Dallas Cowboys are averaging 37 points per game. Oh my God, 37 points per game. That's incredibly difficult to stop, maybe just as much difficult as it is to comprehend. And that's the thing. I don't mean to make it sound as I'm rattling off all these numbers that it's overly simplistic to stop Dallas. No, it's incredibly difficult to stop Dallas, especially at home. Question three, which team will make the more costly mistake? I already talked about turnovers. We talked a little bit about sacks. But what about penalties? See, because as much as we talk about Green Bay's penalties, Dallas is actually worse. They average 6.8 penalties called on them per game, 31st in the NFL. Where they lead the league happens to be with 22 offensive holding penalties. They also lead the league with 16 defensive offsides calls, as if that's not an indicator of aggressive defense. But beyond that, in terms of coverage, they have 23 combined defensive holding and defensive pass interference calls against them this year. Any advantage that Green Bay can get will help them. And an undisciplined mistake by an ultra-aggressive team at the right time could have heavy consequences against Dallas. That takes us to our two keys of the game. Number one, the Green Bay Packers must stay ahead of the sticks. Part of the reason we see such high interception numbers from the Cowboys year in and year out is because their corners are allowed to play such an aggressive style of coverage, partially because the, def the defense frequently gets itself in favorable situations, forcing offenses into third and longs. If Green Bay is going to move the ball, they have to avoid that exact situation. They cannot grow stagnant like they were in the mid part of the year, constantly putting themselves in third and long. They have to play clean. They have to play efficient, especially on first and second down. And then when they do arrive in those third downs, something like Jordan Love last week when he was seven of eight on third downs with all seven completions resulting in a first down, that has to occur. If they allow themselves to get pinned back and Dallas's pass rush to just come after them, that could spell a lot of trouble for Green Bay. 
Number two, the Packers must play assignment sure and not allow Tony Pollard to do to them what they're hoping Aaron Jones does to the Cowboys. The concern is all about Dak, CD, middle of the field, as it should be. But if Tony Pollard is able to get going, which admittedly has been a problem for Dallas at times this year, if Tony Pollard is allowed to get going because the focus becomes so much on bracketing CD, then Green Bay is going to have to change their focus. And that's going to make everything Dallas wants to do offensively that much easier. If Tony Pollard is able to come out of the gates running successfully, like we've seen Aaron Jones do on the drive number one a couple times already this year, then it could get ugly really quick. This is not a game necessarily that Green Bay is super equipped to play from a large deficit. Dallas is too good offensively. Green Bay has to hold tight in the beginning of the game. And my concern is if everyone's just focused on CD, don't forget about Pollard. No, he's not having the best year, but he can kill you if you forget about him. Green Bay can't. Last thing. One final prediction. Dallas is insanely good on offense. CD, Dak. CD's a triple crowd receiver, for goodness sakes. Their offensive line, while maybe a little overhyped at this point, maybe a little bit more reputation than performance, it's still pretty freaking good. Still one of the best in the NFL. And that does nothing to speak of Jake Ferguson, the tight end, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, the rest of the receiving core. They're loaded. And they're unbelievable at home. But as we've seen, sometimes the playoffs comes down to momentum. And while Dallas has an equal record over the last five games, Green Bay seems to relish elimination games. And there really isn't denying that there's a hotter team than Green Bay right now. I do believe this game is going to be close. And it could hinge on one play, on one decision, on one penalty, on one turnover, on one drive-killing sack. The matchup may also very well be determined by which defense for Green Bay shows up. At the end of the day, we don't know. But I will say this. Come on, you're not going to get me to pick against Green Bay in the playoffs. So let's go Green Bay 34, Dallas 30. And the Cardiac Pack pull off the upset in Dallas. This is going to be a great game. These two teams are very well-matched. I know statistically Dallas does look ahead of Green Bay, but a number of Dallas's strengths line up right against Green Bay's strengths. This shouldn't, shouldn't be a matchup that Dallas is able to walk right through. Of course, the surprise of the playoffs may come into play too, but I gotta believe that Green Bay does stand a good chance. Thanks so much for checking out Lombardi Time Brews on Sunday. Me and Claudia will be here for the entire game, of course, doing a watch party. Right after the game, I'll be hopping on Bleacher Report again to either discuss the Packers' monumental win or just open a, open a friendly ear to those who have many sad thoughts on a season that's been concluded. So, watch party. Sunday, we'll be here. Thanks so much for checking out Lombardi Time Brews. Very genuinely, a thank you to you as we enter the playoffs. Thank you so much for being here all season long. Thank you so much for choosing to make Lombardi Time Brews just a small part of the coverage that you have of the Green Bay Packers. And as always, Go Pack Go!